You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News, where you get the latest on medical cover-ups, government malfeasance, toxins being put in our food and home, as well as sound, clean eating principles. We are here to cast a light on what the big sick care industry and its government shills don't want you to know. Don't be a slave to Big Pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now on a long, purposeful life. Become a citizen of Naturopathic Earth. Here's your host, A. Gregory Luna. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of Holistic Health News and Naturopathy Earth Radio. I hope you're doing well today. Before we begin talking about drugging up our ninos, the website is Naturopathic Earth. Go check out the articles, the recipes, and all the fun stuff that's over there. Recently, I wrote an article about paleo corn dogs. I don't know if it's going to be out by the time this episode comes out because I have normally six or seven articles in the pipeline, but that'll be coming out in the next week or two. I did one on curry. I did one on paleo gummies. I did one on paleo popsicles. I did one on other stuff. There's probably 200 to 250 recipes there, so check them out. They're awesome. And they're all personally tested. Also, as you know, support us through our Patreon account. Go to the episode notes. Click on the link. It's patreon.com forward slash naturopathic earth. Donate some money. We know you get something out of this because I know who's listening. I know who's listening. Like Big Brother, right? They're spying on us. Go check out that episode I did on that. I know you guys listen. So look. I need you to donate money. It's simple as that. You can simply donate a dollar a month. I would ideally prefer $5 a month. I would ideally prefer more than that. But whatever you can offer, I would appreciate it. Also, you can buy Confessions of an Obese Child, the ebook on Amazon Kindle or Barnes & Noble Nook for $2.99. And you can have that book forever forever and you can read it over and over and over it's my childhood memoirs i talk about why i turned to food to numb the pain what were the interfamilial dynamics that led me to do it why i was bullied how i handled the bullying some of the horrific things that happened to me in the locker room and at the amusement park and the swimming pool and then the end at the end of my high school tenure i lost my way and i talk about how i did that I am coming up on my 28th anniversary of keeping my weight off on May 4th. So that's awesome. Awesome blossom. Also, Amazon links. Go to any of the recipes. Click on the Amazon picture. That takes you to Amazon. Anything you buy. So if you keep the browser open, anything you buy within a 24-hour period, I get 2% commission uh, for you going through my links. And no expense or cost to you. So do that. Do that. Do that. Last time, a holistic-inspired, paleo-inspired, a lot of inspired health coach. So if you're in the need to lose some weight or clean up your diet, contact me. My prices are on the website on the homepage. Just click on pricing. And this is really good for like the, the people for the previous episode, right? You're kind of lazy, not disciplined. And I don't I don't mean to cast aspersions by saying you're lazy. I, I really wanted to, to put the title of something like number one biac for people who really don't want to diet, but that's a long title. It's not good for SEO. 
But anyways, contact me and we'll go from there. All right, let's talk about drugging. Okay, why did I want to do an episode on over-medicating our children? Well, because clearly I believe we over-medicate our children and I have confirmation bias and I like to do episodes on things that I already believe in. Also, it's not too surprising that we over-medicate our children. We do it all the time and it's gone worse and worse and worse and this is the insidious arm of big pharma and their lackeys, the psychiatrists. Now, we do have previous episodes on big pharma malfeasance. We have the one on how big pharma has infiltrated our our medical schools and affected the curriculum. That's around episode 120. We have one on big pharma and their effects of being the management essentially for the FDA and the USDA and the CDC. If you look at the revolving door and the board of directors, they're mostly big pharma. And we talk about Big Pharma quite a bit on our couple of episodes on natural biohacks to alleviate depression. So look, clearly I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. The irony is my esteemed, beloved older brother is a pharmaceuticals manager. and He started as a rep right out of college, and now he's very, very successful, has mucho moolah, good guy. But we just don't agree. Now, do I believe that there's a certain place for certain medications? Sure, like life-threatening acute situations. Sure. Do I think there's a place maybe for medications for very specific needs? Like if there's a drug to to cure or to help a prolonged cystic fibrosis, I don't have a problem with that. Or the HIV cocktail or AIDS cocktail drugs, I don't have a problem with those drugs. But the day-in, day-out ones, I have a problem with the ones for the common preventable maladies like hypertension and hyperlipidemia and diabetes and certainly the psychotropics because the psychotropics are not backed at all by science. All right, so we're going to be gleaning from an op-ed. Yes, an op-ed. We don't do a lot of op-eds from the esteemed, esteemed New York Times. Now, the New York Times, I typically don't agree with in about 90% of their stuff and I think they're also ostentatious and therefore the 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 literati the cognoscenti the intelligentsia of America mostly that live in the upper west side upper east side of Manhattan but I do agree with this person this person's name is Erica Komazar she wrote a book about how we're drugging up our kids so we will begin A couple came to my psychotherapy office because their eight-year-old son was having trouble at school. He couldn't sit still or focus on classwork, and sometimes he'd act disruptively to get attention. The school had labeled the boy as having, not surprising, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and urged the parents to see a psychiatrist who immediately prescribed A stimulant, yes, because there's nothing better than just giving our kids essentially methamphetamine and amphetamine. American children have a drug problem. The use of psychiatric drugs to treat ADHD, depression, and anxiety in children and teens has been increasing and is excessive. The family I saw was a case in point. The medication suppressed the boy's behavior, but it also made him anxious, irritable, and sleepless. Yeah, because you're high as F. It's like cocaine almost. You're always up. 
Their parents came to me seeking an alternative. Now, is she going to recommend some naturopathic principles to apply for the the alleviation of the the issues that this boy is having with his attention? Let's find out. I asked questions about the family's history and learned that mother had suffered from postpartum depression and the parents had separated when the boy was three, later to be reunited. Wow, a woman who actually came back to a man for the sake of a child. That's amazing. The son was a sensitive and fearful child who suffered from anxiety and whose ADHD-like symptoms were first observed after his father left the home. Okay, so a couple of things here. We know kids of high strife parents, either divorced or divorced and they still fight, or they're in the marriage and they still fight. And also kids of single moms. Go back to that episode about how single moms, their kids are more than what, 40 times more likely to be abused, sexual abuse. But we know these kids have a higher rate of mental health problems, right? Because it's not, in addition to higher rate of drug use, or recreational drug, teenage pregnancy, dropout, jail time, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, of course, this makes sense, right? You, 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 this is the, the formative time of a young child, and you don't want anything throwing that off. And these kids can develop separation anxiety and anxiety in general, so that, that makes sense. We also know that there's a lack of male presence for kids, especially boys. If you look at the statistics, something like 70% of African-American women are having kids without a father, right? The, the baby daddy is gone. And now it's about 40% in the white population. So you have, and now some of these men are still involved on a nominal level, or maybe they're doing 50-50. Uh, but, but in many cases, the man, the husband, the father, whoever, is not involved anymore. So you have boys who are being going home to uh, a house that has no father. Then you exacerbate that by the elementary schools. Elementary schools don't have a lot of male teachers at all. And so these boys are not getting any male modeling. They're essentially surrounded by estrogen their entire life. And the feminists don't want to hear this, but this is not good, right? The, the sex, the kids need both sexes in their lives to balance things out. And, you know, I'm sure off the record, a lot of elementary schools don't hire elementary teachers that are males because they're worried they're going to be, you know, pederists, which is, which is totally understandable. And anytime I hear that there's like a second grade male teacher, I honestly think he's either gay or he's a pederast. You know, that's just the first thing that comes to my mind until I meet them and it's either confirmed or not confirmed. So I can understand why schools don't want to hire men, even though women can sexually abuse children all the time. But my issue is this, these boys need more male attention. It's the absence of masculinity in their life, not toxic masculinity, that it's the problem. And the feminist will many times obfuscate that and always say, oh, it's toxic masculinity and we need to make our boys more sensitive and manginas and stuff like that. But really the issue is they have no masculinity in their in their world. So that's a major problem. We need more male teachers. The family had never sought therapy or made the connection between the boy's early childhood experience and his symptoms. I held parent guidance sessions with the parents and referred the boy to a child psychotherapist for his anxiety. He was weaned off the medication and his symptoms diminished. That's great. Now, 
we know that anxiety can be genetic, right? Especially if your your parent, one of your your mother, suffered from anxiety and depression, uh, because lots of times they're connected. And if you're taking an antidepressant, many times that like for example the SSRIs, many times the symptoms, the side effects will be increased anxiety, and so then they put you on an anxiolytic benzo, like Xanax, for example. So. Reading this article, it's clear that there, the 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 departure of the father, even though he came back, was was tough for the child. Plus, it's familial. But look, they weaned him off the medication through talk therapy. We talk about the importance of talk therapy. I wrote an article about the importance of journaling and the importance of of starting your own blog. And one of the things I mentioned is that it's just cathartic to talk. You want to talk, get stuff off your chest. So let's see how this story goes. A story published last year in the Journal of Clinical Child and Adolescent Psychology found that some 5% of American children were on stimulants like Ritalin and Adderall to treat ADHD and behavioral problems in 2016. That's it? Only five? Wow. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention reported a nearly 400% increase in antidepressant use in patients between 12 and 19 years old between 1988 and 2008 the most recent year for which data is available really we don't have more recent data than from 11 years ago come on what are you doing over in the cdc aside from denying vaccine related issues and pushing out flu vaccines since you're the biggest purchaser of the flu vax from big pharma the funny thing about this is, is if you if you look at the inserts of antidepressants and almost all the psychotropic or the what we would call the the psychiatric drugs, they'll all say not recommended or not approved to be given to children under the age of eighteen, right? Because the mind is not fully formed. Even if you believe that these drugs work, the mind is not fully formed. But it's interesting how we're still prescribing it to teens and young young children, like eight year olds, eight year olds. And, you know, part of the problem is this. You, 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 boys are going to be boys. Now, look, my eldest, who just is about to turn eight, is kind of a mellow kid. I mean, he, he, he gets all excited and runs around and stuff like that with his younger brother. But he's pretty mellow. But you get these female teachers who don't want to deal with the boys. Now, some of them might have, like, latent feminist, m- misandrinous tendencies toward men and toward boys. So they might treat the boys differently. But normally, at age seven or eight, the girls are better students in that they're quieter. And they're probably doing better at grades. And the boys have a lot of energy. And so the female teachers don't want to deal with a lot of energy, right? We, we like quiet classrooms. And so many times, if they're just kooky boys, then they'll refer them to the counselor to tell them, you know, do a do a write-up, a profile, and say if they have ADD, ADHD, so we can drug them up so he can be quiet in my class. So the teachers maybe are earnest, but also they're just self, self-involved, self and they just don't really care about, oh, if I put my kid or my student, my, my male student, on a ADHD drug, you know, this might make him more predisposed to take in meth and amphetamines uh, recreationally when he's getting older. But eh, he won't be in my class anymore, so who gives a shit? Let's continue. Yet many of these young people don't actually have ADHD. What? Clinical depression? What? Or anxiety? A 2000 study found that the majority of children and adolescents who are being medicated for ADHD did not fully meet the diagnostic criteria for the condition. A criteria that is so subjective that a 2018 study in the New England Journal of Medicine, the JAMA, 
show that the younger a child is relative to his classmates, the likelier he is to be diagnosed with ADHD. Well, that's not good for my son. He was born in April. Uh-oh. The findings suggest that disruptive behavior is a result of immaturity and not illness. Look at that. What a shock. And going back to the diagnostic criteria of being subjective, if any of you want to find out how subjective the DSM is, go look up the look, look up the DSM or go buy a DSM. So the DSM is the Bible. It's the, the reference book that, that shrinks use, psychologists use, to diagnose. It was a book that was started by the American Psychiatric Association. And, and each edition, which comes out about every 15 years, is bigger and bigger and bigger because they have to make up more diseases and mental health problems to justify their coding and their billing and the drugging up of America. But if you look at the criteria, for example, like for depression, it's like the, the patient must meet something like six of the following 10 criteria for longer than a period of two weeks. And they're, they're just vague, right? They sometimes eat too much. They sometimes eat too little. They sometimes sleep too much. They sometimes sleep too little. Thoughts of sadness or worthlessness. You know, it's very vague. Like All of this can feel that in a week. Or the anxiety one is, you know, uncom- discomfort in a social situation. Discomfort talking to people. It's like, well, of course. Uh, uh, oppositional defiance disorder. This is the big one you give for kids, for boys who are raging because they're too, they're doped up on food dyes because food dyes lead to hyperactivity. The oppositional defiance disorder, this is one of the newer ones. It's like disrespect to adults and authority figures. Yelling too much. Outbursts. What what kid doesn't have that? So many young boys do that. Come on, that's like part and parcel of being a freaking tween and teenager. But like, it's like, oh, oh, this kid's got ODD. ODD, let's drug him up. Give him the drugs. Yeah. So the DSM is a bunch of BS, right? But it's just, they need it to justify the coding, to justify them getting paid. The old saying is that you never walk into a psychiatrist's office and don't come out with a diagnosis because if they can't diagnose you and code you, they can't build them. They can't get billed and paid. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends behavioral therapy, not drugs. They're almost naturopathic. As the first line of treatment for mental illness in children. But a 2014 Ohio State study showed that the majority of kids aren't being properly evaluated or being offered psychotherapy before being put on the drugs. That's an expedient course, but not a wise one. Well, look, we know that when you are feeling depressed or anxious, you don't go to a psychiatrist. You don't get a referral from your primary. You just go to your primary and get the drug. Or you go to your OBGYN for you ladies. Oh, I'm feeling kind of down. Oh, here's this antidepressant that you're going to have major problems withdrawing from ever in your life. Oh, it might make you suicidal or homicidal. It's going to make you gain weight and have sexual dysfunction. But hey, you know, they don't tell you any of that. The insert does because they're not trained in pharmacology. So you shouldn't be getting any drugs from these people. But that's one of the issues. And so going back to schools, lots of times the, the, the schools just want to rush through. The counselor just wants to rush through and get them drugged up as quickly as possible. And so they're not like, actually, let's go to therapy or group therapy. And then the parents, either well-meaning or they haven't done their research on drugs or they're just not smart, they're low IQ parents. They're like, okay, let's just get my bone drugs. And they don't bother to do the research to find out what they're setting up their kid for later in their life. 
Psychiatric drugs can often stop undesirable behaviors and silence the symptoms of emotional pain. Well, they silence the voices in the boy's head. But the use of drugs as a quick fix does not help children become emotionally mature or resilient to stress. That's true, right? We need, like like my son, he uh, he used to be scared. He, like right now, he's, he's scared to ride a bike. And his his six year old daughter, or so, well, that sounds creepy. His six year old sister rides a bike better. I've I've one the weekends I have him, I I take off the training wheels, and my my daughter can ride a good two hundred yards before falling. But my son is scared, and you know, exposure therapy is the key, guys. If you really want to treat anxiety, don't get him on Xanax and Ativan and Clonopin and all these for you adults too. You know, feel the feel the stress, feel the anxiety. We have this. This, this kind of predilection toward never feeling anything. And we want to turn to alcohol and drugs to numb the anxiety, numb the stress, numb the pain. But all you're doing is just creating uh, another monster. Or we compartmentalize in our mind, right? That's another thing that we do. And it's just better to feel. Like I take pride in the fact that I have no addictions. I don't drink barely ever. Maybe a glass of wine a month when I'm out with a lady or with my my family, but uh, that's it. I don't and I don't do drugs, and because I, I like being in control of my faculties. And if I'm stressed, I'm stressed. What do I do? I write it out. I journal it out. I might do a podcast on it, like with my insomnia issues. But I get it out. Exercise is extremely helpful when you're anxious. But I don't try to turn to the alcohol and the drugs and the pot smoking and stuff like that because in the long run it doesn't help you. So look, you need to feel it. Feel it. So going back to my son, exposure therapy really is useful. So the next time you're stressed about something, confront it. You know, I know there's there's shrinks who treat claustrophobic patients by shoving them in coffins, right? And you, you might think, man, that's pretty draconian. But look, the person's going to have a panic attack in the coffin. But they just tell them, look, look just, just sit it out, sit it out. It'll get better. And once the panic attack subsides, the sweating attacks, they realize, oh, I'm okay. I didn't die. And then boom, they're essentially cured. So it's the same thing with riding a bike. You gotta push people to do it. You gotta push yourself. Like I have so many kids who are scared to do presentations and speak in front of the class. And so they get modifications uh, written in from special ed. So they can't give speeches. And I and I talk to the spec ed kid, the spec ed teachers, and I tell them it's like we're just enabling bad behavior. People need to learn how to articulate, to speak, right? To be loquacious. And we're just doing a humongous injustice. And they'll always say, well, the parents signed off on it. Well, the parents are doing a humongous dis- injustice. We got to learn to speak. I hated speaking in, in school because I was a fat kid. No fat kid likes to be in front of the class. But we have to sometimes do things we're not comfortable doing. So expose yourself to the anxiety. It's fine. Instead, it teaches them to avoid painful, uncomfortable feelings. Medications can also have significant side effects, including addiction. So in particular, we, we already talked about the antidepressant side effects, and if you want more of that, go to the, the episodes we did on, on depression. But with anxiety, the, the benzos, the benzodiazepines, we have an episode on mixing benzos and alcohol increases your chances of dying. We have a bunch of, we, we do have a bunch of episodes on anxiety, like two or three. But really quickly, the benzo family, which is originally a sedative hypnotic classification of a drug, roofies, rohypnol is from the same drug uh, category, and so is Valium, 
um, these drugs have have withdrawal issues and they have addictive issues. You can get easily addicted to Xanax and Clonopin. And getting off of them is very difficult, just like with the SSRIs. And this is something the doctors don't tell you. So there's a lot of people who just stay on these drugs even though they don't need them anymore uh, because getting off of them leads to the shakes and withdrawals and electric tingling on down their arms and legs and they can't sleep and all these problems. And so the, the doctors... Shame on them. If they don't know that, then they should do better research on the drugs they're prescribing. But you know what? They're getting bought off and they're probably getting, you know, filleted by the the drug pharmaceutical reps who are coming there and telling them, hey, if you write enough scripts for whatever, uh, we'll, you know, fly you down to the Bahamas. And, you know, in the old days, they used to do all the, these sexual favors, for, uh, the reps would, uh, for the doctors. Now they've cleaned it up a little, but there's definitely incentives. So shame on you doctors for doing this. You should know better. But money is the king. As a psychoanalyst, I treat many families with children who have been diagnosed with these disorders. The kids are almost always under psychosocial stress because of trauma, damaged family relationships, or pressure to achieve. Psychologist Stephen Hinshaw and economist Richard Sheffer attributed the increase in ADHD diagnosis in part due to changes in school funding to reward higher standardized test scores. Oh, here comes the liberal slant. ADHD drugs are acknowledged performance enhancers. Yeah, there was a documentary on Netflix uh, released about how uh, how common it is for college students to take ADHD and ADD drugs in college for recreational uses so they can focus better on late night studying and on tests. And so forth. The school funding issue always bothers me. It's not necessarily the lack of money we get. It's how it is apportioned out in the districts. That is the the bigger issue. But we need a lot of people at central office, right? We need less teachers. It is much easier to blame our children for their behavior or label them as organically flawed and medicate them rather than consider what we as parents and educators may be doing or failing to do to help them feel safe, protected, and emotionally secure. That is a great line. I totally agree with that. What? Parental accountability? That's shocking, right? Accountability at all. That's totally, that's totally, how can you blame the kid? How can you blame an eight-year-old? Unless you're, you know, doping them up on sugar and food dyes. But their dynamics are largely based on, on things that the parents have done, especially in their super formative years. We feel guilty, and rather than address our own part in the situation, we look at the quick fix of a pill. Totally agree. This is not to say children should never be medicated, unless they're like future antisocial sociopaths. Psychiatric medication is an important tool in treating serious mental illness. Serious is the key. But it's no substitute for attention, understanding, and connection. All right, let's finish up. Okay, so a couple of parting thoughts. I'm totally against giving any psychotropic drugs to children, especially young children. You know, we don't know the effects on it. The studies that have been done on it, even Big Pharma will say don't give these to young children. But clearly it's not like government is doing anything about it because we know they're all bought off by big, big business, Big Pharma. And these not well-intentioned psychiatrists clearly don't give a damn because they're the ones who are actually giving the kids the you know the metaphorical loaded gun 
And so they're not really looking out for us as a whole, despite this woman who is a well-meaning and earnest psychotherapist. So it's kind of incumbent on the parents. Look, if you are literate and you spend all your time reading about the Kardashians, then you should, for the sake of your children, read up on the future drugs that you want to give your kids once the counselor comes to you and says, little Bobby is acting up. Now, if a counselor ever comes to me and tells me, little blah blah is acting up and we will put him on drugs, I'll tell him to F off. Okay, I'll be straight out, tell him F off. We're not you know, dousing my kids with drugs. Because again, it's, it's just like doctors who don't even know your name before they walk in to see you for their nine-minute meeting. These counselors don't give a damn about your kids 10, 15 years from now when they're on the Faces of Meth YouTube video on the before and after pictures. If you ever want something daunting, go watch the Faces of Meth video. Oh, man, that was, those are great. I used to show up to my high school students back in my old school and just to scare them a little about drugs. But, of course, you know, it really doesn't work. So don't get them on the drugs. Find, exhaust all alternative therapy and treatment, right? I don't get a kid going to therapy. I'm totally fine with that. Totally fine with that. Um, cleaning up their food, getting them on a clean eating diet, clean out all the toxins if food dies, totally cool with that. Make sure the kid gets sleep, totally cool with that. Make sure a lot of sleep. I mean, a lot of sleep for kids. Kids should be asleep by eight. Look, they should be asleep by eight, but we parents don't do that. Which you should, because then you have actually some free time after they go to sleep. And they definitely shouldn't be sleeping in your bed. So we want to do that. Um, exercise is key. Let the kid run around a lot. That's great too. But here's the here's the bigger thing, and we've talked about this on the two or three episodes we have on social media. Social media is the big the big the big problem, and I I posited this to my students where I asked them, you know, what's the biggest stressor in your in your life today, or do you think it's harder to be a high school student now than before? And all of them will admit while they're on Snapchat that social media is the biggest. And they won't use the word blight, but it's the biggest issue that they deal with. And they're on it because, of course, they're addicted. We, we have innumerable episodes on screen addiction, cell phone addiction, and social media leading to eating disorders and suicide rates increasing and, and depression and anxiety. And so they even acknowledge that they need to get off of the, the social media ones, especially Instagram and Snap and the ones that are related to that, all the ones that the image-centric ones. They'll admit this, but they'll still stay on it. And I tell them, it's like, you know, the more hours, studies show this, the more hours you spend on these apps, the more rate, the more likely you're going to be depressed and anxious and have an eating disorder and body dysmorphia and, and you know, all these things. And they just kind of nod their head and they, they keep doing it. So part of that's just, you know, authority, defiance to authority. Part of it is they are, feel like they're immortal and they can overcome it. And part of it is that they're already addicted. And so like, what's the point of telling a kid who's addicted? Just like you tell an alcoholic, you know, you shouldn't drink that. Okay, I'm going to stop drinking it. You know, it just doesn't work like that. So look, Parentals, don't give your kids smartphones. Okay, don't give your kids smartphones. Aside from the EMF issues and the sleep issues, uh, I, I once asked my students, "I'm like, are you a late owl or an early bird? Just are you? Do you jump out of bed and you have a lot of energy like I do, or are you a night owl?" And the kids who said they're night owls and they sleep till they don't go to sleep till one or two a.m. I tell them, "I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just watching YouTube or I'm on on social media or you know watching Netflix." And I tell them. So on a computer or phone? Oh, on a computer. I was like, well, why Why didn't your parents take the computer from you? I don't know. And like, oh, well, if it's on your phone, why didn't the parents take the phone from you and unplug the router? Or at least uh, at least unplug the router, but take the phone. Uh, I don't know. So parents, 
don't give your kids smartphones. This is the number one reason, aside from genetics, but even genetics is kind of a crock of crap. For most kids, the number one reason, aside from early childhood trauma, is going to be social media. So when your kid is 10 or 11, don't rationalize yourself and say, oh, you know, I should give my kid a smartphone in the event that there's an emergency, right? Like there's so many more emergencies now than when we were kids where they didn't have cell phones at all, right? When there was an emergency, you just call the office and then they call you down. I can't tell you how many times kids will come up to me in class. Oh, I got to take this phone call. I got to take this phone call. It's my mom. And then, of course, they say it's an emergency, but it's never an emergency. It's rarely have an emergency or it's whatever the, the mom thinks is an emergency. The mom is texting their kids in class, which is completely inappropriate. And it's extremely inappropriate to be calling in class. But don't rationalize it. Oh, the kid needs it for, for an emergency. No, you don't know what kind of Pandora's box you are opening on so many levels when you give your tween a smartphone or heaven forbid a 10-year-old a smartphone. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're exposing your kids a much, much higher chance, the boys, of finding porn. You know, average uh, first experience with porn is at eight. And you're gonna get your, your girls hooked up on, on hooked on Snapchat and all those social media. So don't do it. Don't do it. They don't need it. If you want, when they're 14, give them a flip phone where they can text. Because you know, kids communicate through text. And they're like, oh, I feel left out, blah, 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 blah. Why are you listening to your kid? He's a kid. Okay, you're the parent. You should know better. And I look, you're probably addicted to your cell phone and Pinterest and all that crap too. But look, step back and have the wherewithal to be like, okay, look, I'm already addicted. I'm in the matrix. I'm hooked. I don't want this to happen to my daughter. So now I'm not going to get it. But don't cave in. Don't cave in to your kids. Think long term. Unless your kid is exhibiting outright psychopathy where they're trying to stab you with a knife or they're exhibiting early early forms of of you know having delusion and psychotic breaks where they're seeing things that are not there yeah maybe they need drugs and maybe you need to get a court order a restraining order maybe you need to get them out of your house but with the common stuff like depression anxiety you got to exhaust all the other things before you put them on the drugs because once they're on the drugs they might not ever get off of them and look when they're older and they're on on harder drugs or when they're having a lot of mental health problems they could go back to you and blame you. And you know what? You got to be accountable. You are the parent. You were the one that decided to put them on these hardcore drugs. So look, exhaust every option you have before going to the drugs. Everything. Everything. As always, hit the subscribe button. It only takes you two seconds. Post a review for Holistic Health News, Confessions of an Obese Child, and Katie's Essential Oil Apothecary. Until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to NPE Radio and Holistic Health News. Visit our website at naturopathicearth.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holistic News Now and at our Facebook page at Naturopathic Earth. Please consider a donation at patreon.com slash naturopathic earth. Buy the Confessions of an Obese Child ebook on Amazon or Barnes & Noble Nook. Consider subscribing to our podcast. And as always, please post an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. And remember, the core belief at NPE. Let food be thy medicine. Let nature be thy healer. Until next time. Music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.